Well, good morning. Uh, thank you for joining us today. I'm happy to be here with our partners in public health. I think it's appropriate that we uh, travel around the state and go to the health districts. We're not going to all of them, but we're going to four today. Uh, from the beginning, we said we would shift to a more localized approach in our response to COVID-19, and that's what we're doing. I appreciate, I don't see any of them, I appreciate the mayors and county commissioners across the state who are helping to deploy resources within their communities uh, to keep us strong. We've made $94 million available in federal coronavirus relief money to local governments, money they can choose to direct to support local businesses. These local leaders know their communities better than anyone. They can identify how best to support businesses impacted by COVID-19. Also, our strong state-local collaboration is playing out in school districts across the state. We provided, that's uh, uh, the governor's office and the state board, a framework for safe reopening of schools, and we're doing everything we can to support local officials in their decision-making. I appreciate the collaboration and the dialogue that we've had with every one of the seven public health districts across the state, including Russ Duke here with us today. We are seeing increased spread in Ada, Canyon, Twin Falls, Bonneville, and Kootenai County. The rise in confirmed cases in those areas is very concerning, but it is not the only metrics by which we make decisions in our coronavirus response. Our goal all along has been to slow down the coronavirus spread so our healthcare facilities, where's my chart, uh, Director Jepson's of my chart, so our healthcare facilities aren't overrun with too many patients at once. We're seeing increased hospitalizations in certain parts of the state, but statewide, our healthcare capacity is holding. We're not where we want to be with our coronavirus situa situation in Idaho, but we have many things in place to get us where we need to be. We've increased testing, contact tracing, the availability of PPE for healthcare workers, businesses, and schools. But the one thing that will dramatically so, slow the spread of coronavirus is for every single one of us to wear a mask. I couldn't agree more with President Trump. Wearing a mask is a patriotic thing to do. Wear a mask to show you want a strong Idaho and a strong America. Wear a mask if you want our kids to go back to school in August. Wear a mask so our economy can continue to rebound. Wear a mask so we can maintain capacity of our healthcare facilities so no one has to make the difficult decision about who receives care when resources are limited. Wear a mask to protect lives. There is a mounting body of science-based evidence on the effectiveness of masks in significantly slowing the spread of coronavirus. I understand it's not comfortable, and it still feels strange to interact with our faces covered up, but it is a minor sacrifice we can make to restore health and prosperity to our state and to our nation. Today I'm announcing Idaho will remain in stage four for another two weeks. We will continue to move forward with a local approach on our coronavirus mitigation response, and I appreciate the partnership and open communication we've had with our public health districts on a daily basis. 
With that, I'll have Dr. Hahn explain our statewide metrics, and then Central District Health Director Russ Duke will say a few words, and then we'll take your questions. Dr. Hahn? Thank you. Uh, I don't have my visuals to show you today, so I'll just mention that we will have our metrics on our webpage later today. Um, and also that we, uh, as the governor mentioned, we are staying in stage four. Uh, we saw a definite increase in our emergency department visits for COVID-like illness, uh, which is one of our um, showstoppers as far as advancing. Uh, so we are going to be staying in stage four. Uh, I think I mentioned last time that we are hoping to update our metrics. We'd like to include more information about numbers of people hospitalized and numbers of people in intensive care because we do believe that is our best indicator right now of how severely uh, this illness is impacting some Idahoans and how it might be affecting our health care capacity. Unfortunately, as I think uh, you're all aware by now, uh, we had a switch, uh, a sudden switch of uh, reporting systems that was uh, from the federal level uh, dictated to us. Uh, the hospitals have been working um, feverishly to make the transition, but we are still finalizing that. We actually have a meeting this afternoon with the hospital association uh, and other partners, and hopefully um, we will be able to make that, ch be confident in our numbers uh, it, sound, it looks like more and more of the hospitals are switching to this new system. I think we're going to be good to go, uh, but we are not quite ready to make, to make that a change yet. Uh, but I think next time we talk, we will have hospital data, um, uh, more robust hospital data to include in our metrics. And we think ultimately there's going to be some really good information collected and reported. Um, so with that, I will uh, turn it over to Russ Duke, uh, the, the director, to uh, talk more about the local response here. Well, good morning, and thank you, Dr. Hahn. Thank you, Governor. Uh, Central District Health is a four-county health department, so we serve Ada, Boise, Elmore, and Valley counties. So we had our first case uh, in the state of Idaho on March 13th, as you may recall, reported here in Ada County. And since then, we've learned a whole lot more about this disease and the things that we can do to prevent transmission or at least slow it down. As the governor mentioned, face coverings is really key to that, uh, to that effort. So I also want to say how much we have appreciated the leadership and also the guidance that we're receiving from the governor, the Department of Health and Welfare, Director Jepson, Dr. Hahn, and their team in helping us manage this at the local level. So as was mentioned, that transition is occurring. So what does that look like? So local public health districts are governed by a local board of health. And the local board of health is appointed by county commissioners. So we're not state agencies, we're accountable to our counties. So now that the transition has occurred, and starting on June 24th was the first effective date of the orders issued by Central District Health's Board of Health. Those orders have subsequently been updated and most recently, as a, a little over a week ago, was a mandate for face coverings in Ada County in public places. 
So why that's important as far as the local control, again, early on, there were a lot of challenges we were facing, uh, namely personal protective equipment to protect our healthcare workers. We had no idea how this was gonna uh, play out here in Idaho. Now we have a much better idea. So this local control concept is very much supported by myself and by the Board of Health. And what that allows us to do is exactly what you're seeing playing out is Valley County, Elmore County, and Boise County, while they do have cases in all three counties, it's nowhere near what we're seeing here in Ada County. And a lot of that we believe is due to uh, population density and community interactions. I also wanna uh, say that the board is not doing this um, essentially in isolation. We have a very public process. We accept comments from the public uh, basically throughout the week uh, with, a, with, a, with a cadence now of weekly board meetings. Our boards had typically met seven times a year. Now the plan is they'll be meeting weekly on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. from now till the end, at least the end of this calendar year. So during those time periods, there's an opportunity for pu the public to provide comments, which we receive hundreds of comments each week, and those are shared with the board 24 hours in advance of the board meeting so they can review those and help uh, guide the decisions that they will be making. The other thing I wanna mention, uh, has, as has been uh, mentioned, is the importance of making sure that our schools are prepared to provide a quality education to our students while doing that safely. So there's still some of the, the fine details being worked out right now, but through the, the leadership at the state level and with input from the seven local public health districts, we have a really solid plan in place. It's just a matter of figuring out the, the metrics that we're gonna be using to determine the various categories. So the public is probably aware if they've reviewed the Idaho uh, back to school framework, there's category one, category two, and category three. Fortunately, we still have almost a month uh, to, to refine that and to get those decisions in place. But our goal at Central District Health is to make sure that the over 75,000 students who will be going back to school here in a matter of a few weeks are able to do that, whether it be online or a combination of online and in-person uh, classroom uh, setting. So the last thing I was going to mention is the upcoming board meeting, which is on Tuesday, as I mentioned. The primary topic we'll be talking about, back to school, and we have the president of the State Board of Education, Debbie Critchfield, who will be joining us for the start of that meeting. And then there'll be a discussion about the orders with some clarification on the application of face coverings in the school setting. So again, uh, really appreciate what I'm seeing in the community here in, in Ada County, uh, as well as our neighboring counties. We're starting to see a lot more compliance with face coverings, uh, and that's a, that's a really good indicator because bottom line, uh, it's, I, I, I get it, it's not super comfortable to wear face coverings. It's different than where we were uh, certainly five, six months ago but I feel like it's absolutely essential if we're going to continue to manage this disease and maintain some, some normalcy to how we prefer to live in this great country and in this great state. So with that, 
I'll be happy to answer questions along with the governor and Dr. Hahn. I, I wasn't sure if Director Jepson, if you were going to make comments. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Russ. Okay. Well, that was a quick one. Thank you. <laughs> Betsy, I knew you wouldn't be bashful. Well, our system, and, and Russ alluded to it, about how people are selected to serve on these health districts that have been around for 50 years, uh, the, the law passed in 1970, uh, that's, that's the way the law is in Idaho. Health districts are either made up of county commissioners or appointed by county commissioners, and that's, uh, that's state law. So it's just like, you know, once in a while the governor goes off the rails, and that's the result of uh, the electoral process. So how do you plan to respond to this? Well, we just continue. Uh, and I occasionally I defend uh, some of this because, you know, look at where we were on masks. Look at, at, at the, you know, A, it's a foreign concept in the United States of America. For those of us that have the great privilege to travel internationally, we know that in other countries, uh, it's been a, a norm, but it hasn't been here. But originally, uh, it was, uh, well, originally there, were, there was not the abundance of these uh, little critters around, and it was all about saving N95 masks for people in the healthcare uh, field. Today, uh, we know more and more, in fact, in fact, there's new science coming out almost every week about uh, the efficacy for a long time. It was just uh, these masks are to create me from uh, uh, droplets or aerosol from getting to you. And now we know there's more and more evidence uh, that, it, that it also protects uh, the person that's wearing the mask. So for in, in defense of people that have been skeptics of it, I say, you know, this, and I think I've said this at almost every press conference, there's a reason this is called the novel coronavirus, is because we're learning more about it every day. But today, and that's part of the reason that we're going around today, uh, the evidence about the, the efficacy of face masks is just way higher than it was before. Well, I, I would add uh, that the, the evidence I'm getting back from some of these areas where they don't have mask mandates is the uh, mass, percent of the population is wearing masks is going up. We all know what's taking place in a lot of the uh, retailers, both large and small, about uh, uh, implementing, uh, from a private business standpoint, a mask mandate. All of the, in, in like with Betsy's question, the, the collective volume of evidence 
uh, behavioral change, I think is going to help. But at some point in time, uh, if if people don't voluntarily do it, a mandate, uh, as this health district did here, is is very important. Uh, the critical thing for for our coronavirus working group is always this red line statewide. That's what we're worried about. And if that's jeopardized, uh, something may have to happen. Yeah, Does that mean we issue a statewide mask uh, I doubt that very much. Uh, uh, you know, what, what always works best is for us to work with the existing laws, which is the health districts, and uh, do all we can to give them the information to uh, do the right thing and you know there I, I believe uh, simultaneously to where we are right now they're talking about a strong recommendation is that fair Chris uh, a strong recommendation uh, but at some point in time a mandate may be necessary as the leaders of this health district determine so you're leaving it to the health districts still uh, I think still is a critical word Question for Mr. Duke, actually. Um, is there a metric or a point where schools in this health district would not be allowed to meet in person, or if they did get started, they'd be pushed back to go online? So that is a, a great question and one that we've been discussing for quite a while now. So the, the metrics are being developed as we speak. So we're hoping to have those out by next week and make them more publicly available because that is the debate. Are we in category one, category two, or category three? I'll tell you, we're not in category one with none to minimal. Uh, so trying to get that uh, basically dialed in and then make it known to the public, I, I understand there's a sense of urgency to that. Um, with that said, uh, the category that we're in today could change. Uh, we've issued the orders here for Ada County. I wouldn't say we're seeing a decline in cases, but it certainly did not continue to rise as it was before the initial orders were issued uh, back on June 24th. So I'm encouraged by that. I'm hopeful over the next few weeks we'll see the impact of the uh, face covering mandate. And again, I, that's my, my plea to the public is this is a really big deal uh, with school starting in, in just uh, less than a month from now. And anything that we can do to help drive down those numbers and get kids back to school is, is what, we're, what our main objective is. His limit's three, but we'll see. All right. Oh, but, but uh, thank you. Uh, yes, the worst is way over. There's always a backlog. And, and as we've seen, you know, something that didn't even exist five years ago are all these cyber invasions of, of people on the dark web that go out and find the personal identification of people in Idaho and try and make false claims. Uh, there's federal law and there's state law, and our state laws are very, very strict. And that was part of the that was part of the delay in us getting that out. As I've said over and over, uh, is uh, you know it was not satisfactory to us at all to have these big delays. But but to burn through that 46,000 claim backlog, and now we've got you know 600. But a lot of those 
are very complicated and we think uh, some of them are probably fraudulent. Uh, there were 9,000 that were originally flagged as being uh, possibly fraudulent. Uh, we've made some more changes and uh, we're in a way better place than we were before. Uh, that can't be right. Uh, if, if they're calling first thing in the morning when the phones open up, uh, but to my knowledge, I get, a, I get a dashboard report on how the call center is working, and, but I do know that it, it's better to call in the afternoon, and uh, they ought to reach out to us because, I mean, we've, I think there's 120 people in that call center. Uh, Marissa, does that sound right to you? I think there's 120 people in that call center, and the intent was to be able to handle all those. Well, we closed a lot of the brick and mortar labor offices prior to this. Uh, and in fact, a lot of the brick and mortar were just exactly what you said, brick and mortar. All the applications had to be online. Uh, we, what we may do, because we pulled a lot of them in to handle these claims, is we may get them out doing what they were doing before and going to remote areas, whether it's a library or courthouse or a, uh, you know, to, to help people. Uh, you know, we've always done that. We've always sent a strike team into an area if we have a major employer lay people off, and we may do that. Uh, uh, hopefully, we won't have any of those major layoffs, but there's nothing to preclude that from happening. Our goal was to get that backlog caught up, and we did. Well, our CARES Act, the, the, my coronavirus advisory group, uh, has looked at some of those programs. As you all well know, uh, there's a lot of big discussions going on in Washington when we were back there last week. Uh, we had conversations with Treasury uh, and some of the members of the delegation. Uh, I think uh, those business programs are going to be probably in that next program uh, that's out there. I just. Uh, I was on a call with uh, the national governors yesterday. Uh, we know there's a significant amount of money that's going to be available for education in the new bill. Uh, you know, Congress does what Congress does, uh, but we're, we're sensitive to it. You know, we've got some agricultural uh, entities that are doing great. Uh, there's others that have really been stressed, particularly if they're, if what the products that they provide uh, go into the white tablecloth. Uh, uh, industry uh, that they're they're in really tough shape but some of the other ones uh, the dairy industry which started out this pandemic really handicapped and we've got record high cheese prices today so they're doing much better yes I have a question for Dr. Hahn Yeah, so um, we, we have to see the new data first to make sure that we understand our numbers. We understand with the new system, and again, I'll learn more about it today, but we're actually going to get more information than we were getting in the old system to our understanding. Uh, for example, we've been told that we might actually get information about how many staff are out at the hospitals, like out of, you know, not able to work, either they're sick or they're in isolation. 
So we don't know yet how we're going to incorporate those. We want to see them and see the quality of it, make sure that it's good data that we can count on, and then we'll decide how to include them and what how it might change our actions. So I, I don't have an answer quite today yet for that. And I'm sorry, you asked me something else. At the, about high flow oh, about high flow oxygen. Yeah. So um, to my knowledge, and again, I'll know more today, but I don't believe we're collecting information on use of high flow oxygen um, from the hospitals, to my knowledge. Um, we still are collecting the ventilator data, which, you know, ventilators are not as important as they were at the beginning of this, but they still, we still do have plenty of folks going on ventilators. Um, but I'll look into and see what else we're collecting that's new, and we will certainly incorporate anything that we think, especially something that might be something we could run out of, right? Because we want to watch and make sure if there's something that's in short supply. Our antiviral remdesivir is another thing we have not been formally tracking. Uh, but our, our sufficient supply of antivirals could be another thing we might include. And then do you just have a comment on mass hospitals saying they don't want people to go to the emergency departments to get tested? Yeah, so that, that is a great reminder. I mentioned that we are seeing more people in our emergency departments uh, due to COVID-like illness, but I know that the hospitals are asking people, if possible, not to go to the emergency department if they're sick with COVID-like symptoms, to call ahead. Uh, many of them have alternate screening sites and testing sites to try to keep uh, the emergency departments um, you know, as safe as possible. On the other hand, we don't want severely ill people to be to stay away either uh, and to stay home. We want them to, co to come and get care if they need it. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Hahn and I were, and Dave were talking uh, when we came in about our chart, and, and actually that line of question uh, you know, was very appropriate. Our, our goal from the very beginning has been uh, this line, but what's, what's happened is as the science has evolved, as our PPE inventory has gone up, as other things have happened, what determines whether we have any, anybody that can't get care has changed. And I know for those of you that uh, live and die by the statistics that come out at, at 501 every day, uh, our goal is to, to take and aggregate all that data to make sure that we've got that healthcare capacity. And it will change, and I know it's frustrating uh, if you're watching one number and then the number changes, but I just wanna remind everybody and assure everybody that the coronavirus working group that both uh, uh, Dave and Dr. Hahn serve on, our goal is to make sure that we don't have anybody above that red line. And so it's changed as, as your questioning reflected. Well, I, I think the answer is it depends. Uh, uh, it depends upon what's taking place. Uh, you know, Russ just alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, the, the mask mandate here or the use of masks voluntarily in a lot of those other areas, uh, you know, every time these numbers go up, the public gets more aware of it. When the public gets more aware of it, uh, those big super spreader events go down. Uh, people on their own uh, initiative do the right thing as we do as we spend our time talking to you to try and encourage people to do the right thing so uh, I you know I just can't say there's there's a number uh, uh, that's out there uh, we want the default for kids to be in school but at some point in time uh, if if a parents aren't comfortable sending their kids to school B educators aren't 
uh, comfortable going. But I will remind you uh, that there's brand new evidence just came out in the last literally 10 days, some of it in a McKinstry report, some of it was research out of Europe and Korea, that these young kids under 10, uh, the transmissibility from them and the effect on them is much lower. So I, uh, I'll spend some time talking to the state board about how do we take some of that new evidence and say maybe these older kids where we think there's a lot more transmission will roll them back and the younger kids who really need particularly the help in reading and some of those other fundamentals will be in school. So those are all things that are in play uh, given the continued uh, advancement and what we know about the coronavirus. Is, it, is this Scott's 15th question? No, this is, this oh, okay. is my news director. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if uh, school started tomorrow, we wouldn't be sending kids back. There wouldn't be plenty of sports based on where we're at right now. Uh, well, the, the state board has uh, deferred to the state high school athletic association to make those determinations. One of the things, the, the last uh, document I read from them, it depends upon the store, sport. Uh, you know, wrestling is different than cross country. Just figure that one out. Uh, it shouldn't be any surprise. So, uh, you know, the high school athletic association, the districts, and the administrators are all working on what sports, uh, given where they are, and that's, uh, uh, I think that's the policy that's out there right now, and I think that's going to take place on sports. Uh, I, I, I think I said, I know I said last time, never say never, never say always, but uh, we've still got uh, two counties uh, with uh, no confirmed cases, and we've got a lot of counties where there's zero positivity in the testing. Uh, so um, if, if we had to have a statewide mass mandate, uh, it would be, uh, you know, it would be what it's been all along, a real risk of this taking place statewide. Governor, a question from James Dawson of Boise State Public Radio. He says, Governor, I think it's fair to say a lot of Idahoans are skeptical of the government. How do you convince people about the science of face covering or the safety of a vaccine if and when it's available in the face of such mistrust regardless of facts? Oh, so profound. Uh, the people in Idaho are skeptical of government. And, and I mean, it's just, it's a higher burden on the health districts. Uh, it's a high, you know, if, if these health districts are determined by their local county commissioners that people know, they see, they talk to. Uh, I, I was on a call yesterday with all the House and Senate members. We were on a call yesterday with the hospitals. Uh, we have conversations with the cities, with the tribes, with the, you know, we just continue to outreach. I, I get that. Uh, James's point about the skepticism in Idaho uh, is, is very high. Uh, so it just is a bigger burden on us that have been given the great honor to, uh, to be in leadership that we have to work harder to get the message out. Uh, last week there was a White House report that got out and called the Red Zone Report. Idaho is in one of these red zones. First, did you have any conversations about that report when you were in Washington last week? Second, what do you make of the report and suggestions or recommendations that Idaho should roll some regulations back? Well, uh, I mean, I think that's, you, you just heard uh, Russ Duke talk about what's taken place. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the Vice President's Coronavirus Working Group 
that we were on a, Dave and I were on a call with Monday. Uh, we are constant communications. Uh, Dr. Hahn, uh, how often do you have a call? D daily or uh, with the, you know, we're, we're constantly looking at these numbers. And we're trying to refine these numbers as best we can. Uh, I know the, a couple of the classifications are by surface area. And uh, I can tell you the surface area of Hawaii County is a lot different than the surface area of Boston and Massachusetts. Uh, if, you, if you've got a, if you've got a uh, 15% positivity in Boston, you got a 15% positivity in Hawaii County when it shows up on the map. It may look like a great big red blob, uh, but there's a block in Boston that has the same population as all of Hawaii County. And there's a little more distancing, yes. Well, I, I will, uh, I won't turn around this time. I'll just refer to the graph right behind me uh, is, is always going to be an indicator. But, you know, I think in, if we were going to do something, I think it would look different. Uh, you know, of what we know uh, about this coronavirus continues to change, that the standards we used for our four-stage opening uh, originally, that as we learn more, about the coronavirus, uh, some things that were in one might move down, and then we have all those, uh, I don't know how many pages of guidance do we have? Many, uh, uh, you know, all those pages of guidance, uh, that might be part of it, but I, I don't think we go one, two, three, four, zero, and then four, three, two, one. I think it would be maybe bits and pieces where where our public health officials say here's where your biggest problem is and we'd be we'd be flexible yeah key well 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 part of the reason is they're having meetings and that's why uh we didn't want to interrupt interrupt their meetings so uh but our goal is to say uh what i thought i did in my and what russ did is this is how this is going to work now and we're you know we're all in uh, uh dr hahn elke uh dave the state we're all in and, and trying to provide the health districts with all the resources all the all the statistics all the information they need to make the right decision and encouraging them to do that yeah. uh, for director duke actually um, we've had a lot of parents reach out for a newsroom asking about masks in school specifically in a county there is a mask order, so I'm assuming students would be expected to wear masks in the classroom where there's that order. Beyond that, though, outside of Ada County, would it just be on the schools to ask staff and students to wear them? Yeah, so the first wasn't a question, but a comment about Ada County, and, and you're exactly right. They, uh, the orders do apply. They're going to provide uh, clarification at the meeting on Tuesday. And I've, I think I failed to mention those are streamed live uh, through YouTube. So it's a good opportunity for the public to, to watch those. As far as the other counties within our health district at this point in time, the case counts uh, remain relatively low for all three counties. So it would be uh, a recommendation and encouragement as a means to reduce the transmission, but not part of a mandate again at this time. And for parents asking, what is 
So the age cutoff in, in our order that would apply certainly to school-aged children are, are, is uh, under age two would not be expected to wear a mask, two and older would be expected to wear a mask or a face covering. All right, thank you very much.